Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had Hello, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alamus. Matt Weber on the board. SB, SB Futures up 33. Nasdaq Futures up 140 as we're trying to bounce back from two, uh, two bad days. Yesterday we tried to be positive a couple of times, and... Uh, and then the rug came out on the close, so we were down yesterday about what we're up today. Uh, maybe not, maybe we're up a little bit more than we were down, so we'll see if we hang in there. If yesterday was an example necessarily of not how you start, but how you finish. Uh, Brennan, how are you? I'm doing well this morning, Chief. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. So far, it's early yet. You know, you know what they say. So. It is, but I thought you might have, uh, you know, I can, I can just see you and your, your big truck drifting around the corner over there near uh, Wells and Wells. Oh. Uh, you into drifting around the, doing donuts in the circles in the street? Uh, I'm not <laughs> so sure I could do donuts in the suburban, but I suppose I could try, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, we were sort of talking about it last night, is how, uh, how people get, can coordinate from... San Francisco and some other places to come out here to do this, yet the police can't figure it out. Uh, good question. And, well, also what are they going to do about it? They're getting attacked by the people who are, are around the corner blocking off all the traffic. So it, it is it is a very peculiar issue. Well, I think when you're doing any kind of a riot thing, which that sort of is, to not have billy clubs is pretty pretty ignorant, I think, don't you? Yeah, although it's it's kind of hard to attack cars that are moving with billy clubs. <laughs> uh, well, I get that part. <laughs> if, you're to, if you're trying to get if you're trying to get rid of the cars that are doing the drifting in the in the uh, intersection, it's kind of hard to hit those with billy clubs. But yes, it, it would help to uh, have different kind of crowd, crowd control or even mounted police. You know, I, I know from what, looking around at, at different events, those horses uh, have a way of getting people to move. Um. Yeah. I, uh, I, I just, I don't understand the, uh, we clearly are, you know, it seems like we're undermanned in the, in the police thing. I, I, boy, I tell you what, Brendan, nobody would want me in charge, but I would, nobody gets their first paycheck that are 65 unless they're disabled. If you want off the street at 52 or 55, you're going to a serious school where you learn how to do forensics or you learn how to do internet stuff and you know i'll be i'll be damned if everybody can be on the internet telling people where to go and the police don't seem to have a clue i mean why 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 are we behind we have the resources more than other people why why aren't why can't we do this i mean and uh you know i mean there's no question that if we knew where the where the street was and you had the you know there's been studies all over the place regarding 
you have to show up with you know 30 squads or worse and you and everybody who's there you take them all in i mean and, and you, t- you impound all the cars i mean you got to stop it Brent. i mean i mean it's, it, it takes yep. over it takes overwhelming force to do it as you know i am not a law and order dude but i also know that that at some point regular people get to say you got to leave us alone mhm yeah and, and i think we're way past that point where the kid got shot what was it noon the other day up in uh, Rogers Park? My car. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, this is this, yeah. this is un- unacceptable. You're you're right. I mean, the, the violence at all, all all times of the day in all parts of the city is really uh, scary a scary thing. Although I have noticed that there seems to be an uptick, not just in Chicago, but across the the country in other areas like Washington D.C., Philadelphia, for our examples too, where it's an issue not just in Chicago. I do agree, though, that the intelligence community, the police intelligence community, seems to be lacking in something with all the social media channels. That and because that was the same thing that happened here at the beach uh, at North Avenue Beach a couple of months ago when that uh, the big thing happened, like right at the end of the day, and there were six hundred to a thousand people on the beach that just kind of showed up, and and they're all brought there by social media. So. Um, you're right that how do how do those channels get attract people to events like the drifting and the North Avenue Beach, and the police don't know about it until it's too late. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty off the wall when you think about it. I, and you know, there's I don't want, and I think you don't either. Nobody wants you know the police to to shoot somebody because uh, they're not trained properly or they're not whatever or they're not something or other. Right, I mean, and nobody wants you know bad cops. Nobody wants any of that stuff. But I tell you what, you, you look at these numbers. I'm, I'm trying to find them here. I think this year there's a there's a you know police involved shooting. Well, um, this year I'm going to say that. Hey, Jackass, we've got uh, what we got? We've got year to date 424 shot and killed, 1981 uh, wounded. So we're <coughs> we're 20. <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> we're twenty four oh five people shot, and yet police involved shootings. It's like one killed and thirteen wounded. Now, I don't want mm-hmm. I don't want police you know running around killing people. But how is it that they're never around? <laughs> I mean, how, I mean, how is it that that when the people start shooting out of the car and the Eisenhower and the Ryan, there's never a policeman there to shoot back? I mean, how, well, how can that be? Now, come on, that that's kind of uh, a reach. That you, you can't expect uh, police to be everywhere and every time. Yeah, but they're nowhere, nowhere, no place. We have so many cameras. Uh, I, I, no, I understand, but I think I think there are a couple of different things here. Uh, the first of which is that uh, police need to be rested. They they can't work double shifts or or, uh, or five, six, seven days a week on a regular basis. They need time off. I think that also with the the cycle that they're doing to. It, it even makes more sense to stop the rotating shifts and keep them on one shift throughout so that they can get adequate rest. Uh, those are two things. But the, um, there, there is a societal role, too, to play because we don't have the resources. We don't have the manpower to put a policeman on every single corner 24 hours a day, seven days a week. and what I'm, Or having them patrol the, the expressways up and down all the time so that some idiot with a gun shooting on the Eisenhower Dan Ryan is right in front of a cop when he or she does it. I mean, that, 
that's an impractical solution. But I do think that uh, uh, hiring more police and training them better are two things that do need to be done, as well as uh, adequate rest and days off for the police department. Vernon, uh, I'm, uh, you know, again, I'm, it's, e- it's easy to criticize, but I was on the Ryan again Sunday night. I probably had 10 people go by me in excess of 90 to 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I didn't see one cop. Whatever, you, yeah. everything you said is true, and yet the minute there's a shooting, there'll be 30 guys out there screwing around, picking up the brass and not arresting anybody. There's some place. Yes, they, they are some place. And, you, and I agree with you that the Dan Ryan is a very dangerous place to drive, and uh, you know, it is like the Indianapolis 500 race course when you see people going up and down the Ryan and driving very dangerously in and out of, of traffic. So uh, that's certainly true. However, the, the, uh, the Dan Ryan and I think all of the expressways are to be maintained by the state police, not by the city. E- either, either way, the, the, my, my buddy knows somebody in the state police. Says they mm-hmm. they, and uh, there there are fewer state cops in the Chicagoland area than there are th- around the rest of the state. They they allot one squad per expressway per shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is kind of hard to, to track down everybody who could be involved in something like that. So again, but, that goes kind of to the manpower. But are we as society willing to pay more? For police protection and training, I think we're already paying for it. I, I think it's. I think it's in. They're, they're somewhere. They're not there. I don't know where the hell well, they are. I don't. I don't think that we're paying for it. I, I think that uh, police departments overall are uh, are down in in numbers and down in training. I think some of the egregious actions we've seen. Uh, you pointed out that the bad cop syndrome is uh, has been highlighted over the last couple of years. And that's led to uh, morale issues among the police department. We know, uh, and you know enough cops, and I know enough cops to know that the, the morale in the police department is terrible. Right sure now. is, sure is. Um, and, and, and they don't feel supported in things that they do. But I also think that uh, there needs to be more outreach to gain better quality people to apply for the police department. I think for this is the first time. Uh I'm not sure that the that the uh, the tests haven't been overfilled by people. I don't think anybody wants to be a Chicago cop now. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, 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 this whole concept of uh, ret- retiring at age, you know, whatever the hell they retire at, that that that's that's we can't. The numbers don't match there, Brennan. I don't care if you want to go no, work I, in the streets in Santa or whatever I you want to do. That, and that's that, that is definitely something that needs to be looked at. Is not only the you know, they can retire at a certain age, but not starting to draw full benefits at such a young age because uh, th- that's counterproductive to what the system can support. But every every week, you or I might talk about it, or somebody else might talk about it. There's another week where 20 people retire, and it starts. I mean, it it, it never ends. It, there's never any. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, if if we didn't get this largesse in Illinois from the from the current administration, Chicago and Illinois, I, I don't know. I, I think Chicago would have absolutely been in a bankruptcy court someplace. But it, but the federal government now is giving money to every place that needs it. And they're printing it, and uh, and I you know I don't I don't I don't see that as a long term situation. Do you? I mean I don't. I mean you're, you're our, our our president is coming on tonight to give us a a pep talk about you know getting things back together. 
Brian, what, what does the guy have to offer? <clears throat> there, there's, there's nothing. And I'm not so sure that anybody else would have much better, but you look at this, this deal this week with the Fed. What, what they do or what they don't do is not, is, uh, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens, all right? But the idea of, of just to listen to the crosstalk of all the talking heads, you look at this guy who's, been, who's the head of the Fed, and I wouldn't want his job, by the way. But he, the guy comes in there, he sees that they're pumping too much money out. This is 2018. And he starts to uh, cut back on some of the stuff. The market does its little tantrum, goes down. <clears throat> the rich people jump all on Trump. Trump. Trump has him over to the White House. I don't know if he waterboarded him or what the hell he did to him. He comes out of the White House, and all of a sudden, he's a, he's a changed man. Money for everything. Sprinkle the world. And all of a sudden, in the last two and a half years... The guy puts 40% more money into the system. With, with, and you can have all the lady who wrote the book about the new monetary theory. You can take all those people and put them in a rowboat somewhere. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. You put 40% more money in the, in the market, in the, in the economy, you've got 40% inflation. Duh. I mean, it's been there since, the, since the, uh, Caesar's time, for God's sake. So all of a sudden now, the guy who, the same guy who tried to cut down before and then let the floodgates open, he's now telling everybody how serious he is about inflation. And all of a sudden, people are talking on, on TV going, I don't care what he says, he's not going to do it. Because he's, he's never shown that kind of... Ba- it's not a personal assault on the guy. I don't think any, I would want that job. I don't know if Solomon would have that kind of backbone. But can you imagine the phone calls the guy's gotten in the last two days with the market going down two days in a row? Or mm-hmm. actually, I mean, they're going to say, what are you doing? I, my, my stuff is down. My, 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 my donors are calling me saying that their stock's down something. If Mark goes down much more, you can forget your next donation. I don't see how he has the essentially the stones to do this. Do you? No, I don't. It'll be, uh, it'll be very interesting to see how we proceed. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that Powell or people on the Fed are, are just doing this on a whim. I think they're trying to figure it out. Um, and while I do agree that that basic economics is that you keep pumping money into the system the way that they did, that it drives inflation. But the reason for putting a lot of the money into the system was to keep people alive and supporting them during the, the pandemic. Um, so, that, you know, it, it's not as though they're, the people are hoarding all their money. Like, you know, Mitch McConnell made a comment that people are still living off their checks from, um, from the, the pandemic. That's ridiculous to think that a couple of thousand dollars from a couple of years ago is causing people not to go back to work at this point because they're still living off the largesse from that point. So my point here with you is that it's a lot more complicated in a lot more different ways that, and I think that they're trying to figure it out, that, um, that there are reasons that the money was pumped into the system, um, and we're trying to figure it out. And it may not be figured out in a week or a month or a year. It's going to take some time and tweaking to see what works and doesn't work. Whether Powell has the fortitude to continue with high interest rates and ratcheting it up with the negative effects that's going to have in the economy remains to be seen. But, um, you know, I, I do think that they are trying to figure things out. I, I, I'm not sure I know what exactly what that means. That means you, you, you experiment. You, you've got this... 35% inflationary bubble. But by the time the morons tell us the real story on the CPI and so forth, Brendan, that's going to be the number. I mean, look all over the place. That's the number. Cars are up that much. Houses are up that much. Everything's up that, that That's the number in the last two and a half years, pretty much. 
right? So now you've got this this bubble, and you've got 80% of your population minimum. I'm being nice there. That has had a, at most a 10% raise over the same period of time. So you just took 25% of the buying power away from your population in two and a half years. No, nobody, other than the Confederacy, nobody's ever done that. That, that that's insane. And and they'd throw their hands up. They don't know. What, they don't know what they did. But it's right there. Right? For God's sake, it's right there. Yep. No, I, I know it's a complicated time, but there's no simple answer. And I think you're, you're pointing to a lot of the elements that are contributing to the inflationary rate, and I agree with that completely. Um, but I do think that we're in a situation right now, and it, but it's not just the United States that is dealing with this. This is worldwide. Um, you know, other countries are doing the same thing, and oftentimes I think we in America get so self-centered in our view that we think that it's bad here, it has to be great all the rest of the world, and it's not. Well, I mean, you're, 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 you're absolutely correct. I mean, Turkey has a, in the last year, a 75 to 80% inflation rate. You look at their money supply, and the last year it's grown 80%. It's an, it's an identity. It's math, Brennan. I mean, it, there's the, it comes down to, and, and I don't, I mean, even, even the last bill that they just passed, and again, this, you know, for Republicans in there, it'd be the same thing. They are not... That bill is an absolute lie to everybody in the sense that the uh, the taxation in there is going to cover the cost of the bill. It's not going to. Okay, so now it's not going to. Then how are you going to get the money? Are you going to tax it? Well, the tax in there is, is a fake. So that, that you're not taxing it. Are you going to borrow it or are you going to print it? And I think the mentality, certainly, of Joe Biden is if we have to, we'll just print it. Because he doesn't believe in any monetary theory. I don't think Trump did either. Trump would do anything to get elected. So, the, but the point being is, if you're going to print it, that it, we're right back into the same boat. And it's going to be worse again next year. I mean, I don't see any, any uh, you know, Jerome Powell coming up and saying, "You see this bill you guys just passed? You're on your own. I'm not helping you a bit." I don't see him saying. That, that's what that's what it's going to take, and and he's not going to do it. I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. I mean, Solomon wouldn't do it. <coughs> Right, no one's going to stick. The, you're right. No one's going to stick her neck out and say this is what we have to do. You know, there, there's no Paul Volcker <laughs> who's going to risk everything uh, and pay the pain, especially especially in the short term right now. I mean, you know that nothing good in this situation is going to happen before November, and then depending on what happens in the November elections, virtually nothing will happen for the next two years especially if the Republicans gain one or both houses. And that's pretty likely, because then it's just going to be a standoff for two years and things are going to get worse. Um, if Republicans take over both houses, I think it's going to be worse than if they take over just the House of Representatives. But in either case, uh, we're looking at a, a stagnant economy for at least the next two years. Nothing will be done between now and November because of the fears of what that will do for the election numbers. And then nothing will happen for the next two years. We're in the doldrums right now. Well, I don't know how you, I don't know how you, uh, when you, whether you're Democrat, Republican, and I don't see anybody coming in from the middle, um, which probably would be some sort of a solution, but I don't see that happening. But so okay, we, these guys are the bums. We're going to throw them out. All right. Well, two years from now, nothing's going to be any better. So okay, maybe you throw Biden out, and then you throw the, Demo- the Republicans out of Congress. And you're right back to the same place. They keep getting their checks. They keep in office, and and the big guys keep getting bigger, and the other and, and the little people keep getting worse. 
I mean, uh, I I don't see how I don't I don't see the the break in this movie. Do you? No, and, and that's that's my point. That right now, regard you know everybody well the the administration and both houses of Congress are trying to play things safe and just hoping they can get through November without a bloodbath and uh, keeping it close in the House of Representatives and maybe holding on to the Senate. Um, but if that happens, anybody, if, if a Republican administration comes in in the House or in the Senate, there's going to refuse to do anything that would make Biden look good or the Democrats look good between 2022 and 2024. Um, I mean, we, we've seen it in the last couple of years. It's been pure obstruction and pure polarization on, on both parts, the Democrats and the Republicans. So nothing will get done because it'll make the other side look potentially good. It's not a question of what the, the, the rights are or what the philosophies are. It's just not going to happen. So nothing will get done over the next two years. The economy will bump along, and if it gets better, it gets better on its own. If it gets worse, that's likelihood because there's nothing being done in Congress. Well, I'm and uh, go ahead. I'm going to ask, ask the question because I think you're much closer to this than I am. If you were to do, of course, you can do a poll with anything. You can say, gee, Webby, if somebody gave you a free Heineken's, would you like Heineken's? And they'll say, you know, people prefer Heineken's. It's all how you ask the question, right? But still, I, I would say most Americans, there's a slippery term, want no part of this Republicans vote all one way in a bill, Democrats vote another way in a bill. If, 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 if the Democrats say it's daylight out, then the Republicans got to run their window and say it's nighttime. And Americans want no part of that. Why, why, don't the people in, why don't the people in Congress realize that? The idea of having a bill of that size, where the Republicans are probably getting just as much for their districts as the Democrats are for theirs, because they all play that same game, um, Notice how they never criticize each other and, and, and where they get their money? Anyway, the, uh, wh- why doesn't um, in, why don't, don't the Congress realize that they're, they're becoming a laughing stock? I mean, how that lady in Arizona, the Democrat, you know, did all her stuff to keep the carried interest when there, there's no Goldman Sachs. Well, I guess there's Goldman Sachs everywhere. In, how, did they, how did they pick on her to give her $2 million so she... Why, why, why doesn't the, the, the state of uh, Arizona demand a recall on her and throw her the hell out? When, we, when you come right out with a bare face and say, I'm only giving you this bill because of if you put the carried interest back in for the Wall Street people, and by the way, I got $2 million people for $2 million for those people. How do people have a bare face can do that? I, I, I guess I'm... Mean, I, 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 <clears throat> I don't understand how, how cinema could do that. It, it makes no sense to me. There's no logical reason that I can see that that she was that adamant with that provision, especially coming from a state like Arizona and her constituency. New York, I, uh, I get I it. Could, New York, I could probably get it, but but not Arizona. Yeah, New York, California, where you know you can see that, but not Arizona, not somebody like her, especially with her background. Um, but you know the the hedge funds and, and the the lobbyists knew who to pick out because it's a fifty fifty Senate, and you know if. If it were 52, 53, neither she nor Manchin would have any control. If it was a Republican control, neither one of those would have had anything to say about it. It just happened to be a 50-50 Senate, and they played their cards the way that they did. Well, I mean, but I agree with your I agree with your comment that that most Americans don't want this 50-50 vote that or whatever the numbers are, where it's all Democrats on one side of the vote and all Republicans on the other side of the vote. There has to be somebody in, in in either party who is willing to say, 
my principles say that I need to vote for this bill or against this bill, despite what a Nancy Pelosi or a Chuck Schumer or a Mitch McConnell or a Kevin McCarthy say I need to vote. If it comes up because it's sponsored by a Democrat, I'm voting against it because I'm a Republican. That is anathema to our society and what Congress should do. However, I do think that um, the way things have developed, evolved in our country right now, the minority rule. When you look at, at some of the extremes on both sides, whether it's progressive on the Democratic side or the, the far-right people on the Republican side, they are getting in in the primaries with minority numbers of votes. If you have seven or eight people in a primary and um, you know there's one really arch-conservative person then um, it, uh, it, it it they can win with low numbers. Look at look at what Trump did in 2016. He got through the primaries, never cracking 40 percent right. in the state. So it's minority view, and the way the Senate is particularly set up, that's minority view. When you look at how many people are in the general population are represented by Republicans, we, because of states like Idaho and Wyoming, and, and you know the big land states with a few populations. They're a minority compared to, uh, you know, California or uh, other states. So it, part of the problem is the way that the system is set up right now for minority control. Um, you're our producer today. Actually, did, when did you do that study, Matt? Was it five years ago? Where you you talked about the the Supreme Court thing, where you went through how many people represented by a senator in some states versus others. When, yeah. When did you do all that? Probably, yeah, probably four or five years ago. What were you? you I know you can. Can you still remember what the conclusions were? Something to the effect of, uh, you know, Wyoming, I think, was the example. Uh, their vote is 13 times more valuable than someone in, like, California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty scary. I mean, uh, but it, there was a, real quick, but I don't much time, there was a Republican, of course, I forgot the name, was on, I guess, Face the Nation, talking about the Republicans should have picked up 35, I'm, numbers come off the top of my head, in the, in the House, and they had, like, a landslide. He said, but they've, they've elected the primaries, like, 20 people, that are they're totally unelectable anywhere. And he said they're lucky if they take the House by 15 when it should have been a landslide. Well, I think that's true. I think a lot of the, I lot, think a lot of the folks um, who have been promoted for the Republican Party are, uh, are way off the deep end as far as their approach and their, their thoughts. Um, real quick question, because we've got to go. What, what's your initial reaction to this guy, Bailey? And secondly... Do you think Pritzker should be thrown out for, for putting money in Bailey's campaign? I don't think he has any business doing that. Uh, he has no business doing that. And in fact, the Democratic strategy across the entire country to support Republicans because they think they're weak candidates was the dumbest thing I've, I've ever seen or heard. Because you're put, you, there, there's always a chance that that person is going to win regardless of what happens. You know, <clears throat> uh, anytime the Democrats try to support and pick their... their um, their candidate to oppose is going to backfire on them. And then they've got nobody else playing themselves. But I also think on a personal level, it's the dumbest thing. You don't want to get into somebody else's kitchen no. as far as nominating their candidates. And no, I, I don't I'm so upset about anybody, whether it's Democrat or Republican, trying to support the weakest, what they perceive as the weakest candidate on the other side is the dumbest thing they could possibly do. I got you, I got you going there, didn't I? 
Sure did. <laughs> Take care of yourself, but SP Futures up 30. That's what I really think about it. <laughs> yeah, SP Futures up 30. Don't usually get that kind of response out of Brendan, do you, Matty? SP Futures up 31. Days. I'm proud of myself this morning. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Amos, Brent Weber, the board. SP Futures up 30. SP Futures up 127. So we're trying to, almost exactly what we were down yesterday, which happened in the last, really, 45 minutes. A Dow up 197. Individual stacks uh, 
Home Depot up 268. We've got uh, Microsoft up 242s. Salesforce up 227. Uh, These are the guys that have been down. United Health up 358. Those are the ones in the Dow. We've got uh, actually uh, Visa is up 167. It's a pretty decent move there. Um, over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 243, 1.9%. They're bouncing back pretty good. FTSE, however, up five. Call that flat. That's the one over there has been volatile. Is the DAX? FTSE's been pretty steady. Cac around up 64. That's a full one percent as well. Renasia, Nikkei up 316. They were down. Uh, they were down like 500 yesterday or something. But that's 1.1 percent. Shanghai down 13. And Hang Seng down 74. Back under 20,000. 19,949. Bonds 10 years down five basis points. 306. Looking like it's heading back to three again. Uh, Bun down five basis points, 1.45. Japan down two to 0.22. Oil uh, down 270, 94.31. It's kind of firmly entrenched in this like 89 to 97 range here. It has been for a while. Uh, Brent down 374, 101.35. Natural gas down 15 cents, still over nine bucks. So 9.18. Our Bob down nine cents, 277. So no way we should be paying like five bucks in the city, but we are. Uh, gold. Around 410, 17.45. It's kind of stuck in his mid 1700 number now these days. Silver down six cents, 18.61. Copper down six cents, 3.54. And we've got uh, crypto up 2.53, 20,000, 3.73. When I say crypto, I mean Bitcoin. So we're we're hanging in there over 20,000, which is everybody's kind of nervous number. Uh, dollar uh, got clunked yesterday with the euro back up over a, a one dollar to one dollar, one dollar point two six. So it's higher than I was 99 the other day, so it's actually rallied a little bit. The euro it is, and uh, dollar's gone down. Anybody what do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have one crash in the area that's on the Stevenson outbound side at Pulaski that has traffic backed up to California, which is exit 289. So stop and go traffic if you're heading outbound on I-55 due to that crash at Pulaski. Everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, a beautiful late August day. Lots of sunshine, uh, partly cloudy skies, a high of 81. Right now it is crystal clear and 70 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 110 today. Right now it's clear and 88. In sports, Cubs blew a 4-0 lead late in Toronto last night, losing to the Blue Jays 5-4 in 11 innings. White Sox were off. They'll host Kansas City tonight, 7-10 p.m. Chicago time first pitch from the south side. Sox are five games back in the division, six and a half back in the wild card with one month to go. We'll see if they can go on a run here, but it's getting late, obviously. Diamondbacks uh, beat up on the Phillies 13-7. to Chief. Do we have Mr. Joel? We do. Joel, how are you, buddy? Good, Chief. How you doing? All right. What's uh, what's going on with the uh, the market? And my, my I talked to my creatures from Columbus, my family members, and... Uh, Boy, oh boy, to say that the town is uh, agog with this Ohio State and Notre Dame game. Tickets are 400 bucks yeah. if you can find one, and are the, the Buckeyes are 14-point favorites. I mean, my, my other people tell me take the points. I don't know. Michigan, what's Michigan doing? Oh, you can, you know, well, a couple things here. Uh, golden rule. You can't, and my dad taught me this a long time ago, you can't get more than seven. You know, uh, that, I followed that rule for a long time because, you know, your team's up 11, a minute and a half to go. You know, they're in the prevent defense, and they let them go down the field to score with a couple seconds ago. But uh, I, I got an interesting story for you uh, regarding the state of Ohio and um, how bitter and how much they want to keep me out of their state. You know, uh, I was out <laughs> last week, and yeah. I did a trip out east, 
uh, out east with my wife, Lisa, and uh, we ended up in New Jersey with my sister. And um, on Sunday, uh, we did the whole drive back. That will be my last 10-hour car ride. Uh, that's it. I'm too old for that. But wouldn't you know, we're coming to the end of the Pennsylvania Turnpike, right? And I see a sign, and it says, All access to Ohio blocked. All lanes blocked on the turnpike. They wanted, they were so bitter over that loss last year that they wanted to keep me out of the state of Ohio. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to go through Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. They were following me, and then I had to get back on the turnpike. That's how bitter they are about that loss. <laughs> uh, the turnpike, that thing's got massive tolls, doesn't it? Uh, you know what? Uh, we we got hit on the Ohio. Now I'm not sure what Pennsylvania is doing. They're either combining with Ohio, or they're not charging because um, on the we only took it on the way back. And um, what I do is I think I'm just going to get a bill from them. They had nobody in the toll booth. I think they were just. Uh, I didn't look it up on the internet yet. But uh, just uh, I will say the positive thing for Ohio on the way there. They didn't know I was going there. I went to Cuyahoga um, Falls, Cuyahoga National oh, wow. Park. Uh, unbelievable waterfalls there, the Brandywine Falls. We did some great hiking and biking. And uh, then from there, we went on to the Poconos, did the same thing. So, big road trip. I'm back. Um, I'm sure that's not what you guys want to hear about. You want to hear about the markets, right? What do you, what do you make of all this? You've been with the, with the Paul thing and the down a couple of days, and now, now people are bitching at them and... Looks like today we're going the other way. I mean, what do you, what do you think it's all going to shake out? I mean, I don't. I mean, obviously, uh, well, first of all, why did the market rally so so hard off an inline CPI number uh, last month? That, uh, you know, that just kind of that just kind of puzzled me. I mean, eight point five is eight point five. I don't know when you can say it's going to peak. I don't ever think we're going to get down to two percent inflation. So I saw how the market reacted on Friday to it. But I really didn't feel that it was like information that I didn't have. Right? Well, no, the, I mean, the month, the monthly, the month over month was zero. That that was the surprise. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but you know, oil's creeping back up. Uh, you know, natural gas is creeping back up. I mean, it's hard to say. I, I mean, I'm not willing to say after one month of you know zero percent data, uh, you know zero percent increase that it, that inflation's peaked. So. I was a little bit surprised at the sell-off. Uh, you know, people have to keep in mind, we've had one hell of a rally, yeah. right, from 3639 to 4300 um, You had the unwinding on Friday, uh, the preceding Friday of the August options. Uh, you're running, you know, you're coming up to a quad witch. Uh, that doesn't happen, you know, only four times a year. So uh, we turned on the June quad witch. So, uh I'm looking to see if we can turn, make a bottom here, you know, have it into the, you know, expiration's a great turning point. So we're getting to re, you know, I thought the rally got a little overdone and I thought the break was a little overdone yesterday and now we're just kind of, we're just kind of creeping back. So I like to see pullbacks when we have, you know, 700 point moves or, you know, six, 700 point moves like that. There's nothing wrong with seeing on fifty percent retracement, so that's well, that's what we've had thus far. Well, if you can read through the uh, the talking heads, which is hard to do because it's hard to understand half of them, but or not to the not you can understand me, but we're them too, Chief. We're, <laughs> we're, we're them too. Uh, but the 
the lack of believability on Paul turning, you know, is, is the leopard changing his spots? I don't think anybody believes he's going to stick with this. That's one thing. Yeah, that's one thing. And it just he seems to he just seems to like overshoot. You know, he was too dovish. You know, and then he, now he's too hostage. So um, hope he has a plan here. Um, you know, tough investing environment. Uh, you just have to. You have to look at the long-term perspective, and uh, you know, fighting the Fed has not been, uh, you know, the uh, the best recipe for investing. You've had a very friendly Fed for years and years and years, and uh, now you're fighting the Fed. So it's um, it's an interesting market. I sure would love to see those lows from yesterday. They could hold up another day or two, and all uh, the people that are be like, oh, I should have bought on Monday. We'll have to start buying in the rallies, you know. You know the difference between, you know, buying on, on weakness and then buying on strength. And uh, today, we'll see what happens. Um, nice. We're, we're green on the week. Uh, my number for the week, 40.59.50. That's where we closed Friday. I know we had some after-hours chaos. Uh, but um, I'm keeping an eye on that. And then I'm keeping an eye on the dollar. Um, the dollar, uh, just for the easiest way to look at it, the UUP, um coming up on 30 bucks that's just a major resistance area so you know if the dollar gets stronger it clears that you know there's more room on the downside if you can get a little retreat here in the dollar uh you know keep things you know okay on the uh the political end uh the macro end then we got a chance for a rally uh joe quick quick question uh if you assume that that you know that there's there's been inflation pumped in the system and you know we'll, we'll I got my number where it's all going to turn out to be. We'll talk about that next week. But the uh, do you do you think the? I mean, I think the the CPI is behind the times, which they always are. But let's just say, that, do you think Paul is is looking to just stop the growth of inflation, or do you think he's actually planning on rolling back some of these increases that most of America can't handle? First, he's got to stop it, Chief. Yeah, well, I think I think he yeah. might have already done that. Actually, yeah. not not in I terms know. of. A I mean, if he, if you go what he said on Friday, he's gonna he's gonna fight it. He's gonna fight it. At, no matter how much it hurts the market, no matter how much it hurts Americans, he's gonna fight it to the core. So if you take what he says, then he's gonna he's gonna try and roll it back. I, I just don't see us ever getting down to two percent again, Chief. I, I oh, I don't either. I don't. I don't think that's a. I think the next big rally in the market could be when they say, you know what, we're backing off two percent. We're going to be happy with three percent or four. Well, I'm going to I'm going to go on a limb. Change. I'm going to go on a limb and say, since 2007, it's never been two percent. It's just not been counted. Uh, you're not going out on a limb, chief. Not anybody that goes to the grocery store can tell you that. All right, buddy. You take care of yourself. Uh, you guys, is Michigan playing? Right, this so we'll, we'll talk about that quarterback situation uh, next week. I am not worried about it. Is, I, everyone else is. Thinking. Is Maddie Weber in the in the? And now go blue. Go Blue. SP Futures up 31. NASDAQ Futures up 135. Be right back, Mr. Kenny Polkieri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 
2011. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Al. Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 30. Nancy Futures up 130. Mr. Kenny, how are you, bud? I'm good, sir. How are you? Doing all right. Happy coming up Labor Day? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm actually down here for uh, for Labor Day. But very interesting. I was up there last year, but this year I'm hanging around. Hanging around. I think two things. There's going to be there's supposed to be a storm brewing in the Atlantic going to hit this weekend, and I don't want to get caught in the whole uh, airline and the travel boat that's taking place, so I'm hanging out. Funny you should mention that. One of the guys I do some business with called me yesterday, and he's got, I, I never remember the city he's in, he's somewhere in South Carolina near the coast, and uh, just the thought this thing might come their way, he goes, Home Depot's already sold out of all the generators and board-ups and all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, my daughter was down over the weekend from New York, and she was supposed to leave on Sunday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, she got a delayed message from Delta for a 7.30 flight that the flight was delayed till 11 o'clock Sunday night. So she canceled it, and she made the flight for last night. Same flight, 7 o'clock. At 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon, she got a message saying the flight got delayed till 10.30 last night. I mean, it's crazy. So, you know, they're still put kicking back to New York at 3 o'clock this morning. I feel bad about that, but, you know, well, my, travel's uh, just not. One of my, uh, shall we say, acquaintances in the, in the bar downstairs in the building is a flight attendant, and I almost said stewardess, and I'm getting, you know, a flight attendant, and she was bartending one night, and I said, uh, how's, how's the day job going? Meaning, and she's a flight attendant, I believe, for Delta. Uh, not yeah. positive on the Delta, but and she goes, well, I called in sick. And I go, okay, well, you, you don't look sick. <laughs> me, being, me being the old fart and owning a firm, and you look at an employee that called in sick, and you say, well, they're all playing golf. Right. You say, well, you don't look sick. She goes, well, I knew they were never going to get a crew to get me back, and I want to spend two days down in Carolina. So, so, right. the, so the employees know that that 
that they have no way back. So they're they're calling it, calling off just to not be stuck someplace. Right, and so it it just ripples through the whole through the whole chain. Right, it's really unbelievable what's happened in terms of uh, transportation in this country. Kenny, yeah, we're not into. I don't want to go into the Chicago stuff because we already did that earlier with Brendan, but. Um, we're, we're not exactly into law enforcement in this country these days, except if if, if somebody doesn't like you, then, then they're all over you. But what do you think would happen if we put some of the 82,000 IRS people in, in Delta or United or American and did a little bit of audit and all the money they got to keep people working that either retired or forced to retire or went to management or went someplace? Uh, what do you suppose that audit would show what those guys did with our dough? I think it's going to be. I think it's going to show a lot of abuse, and I think they should. I should think they should take those eighty-seven thousand agents and also put them on all those massive PPP loans that a lot of big firms took uh, to see what they did with that money. Because I think it's. I think it's ludicrous what's happening. But yes, I think there's huge um, uh, fraud. But we know that all along, right? Um, so I'm going to say that they're checking them on the two hundred thousand dollar people. Well, Kenny, I was uh, t- you know, I was talking about it on the air for a lot of people. So I actually, I'm not big on reading bills, right? But I actually read a whole bunch of this stuff on the PPP and the was it the other one, the Employee Retention Act. Plus, yeah. you know, we we were eligible for some of it. it ended up being a very small amount, which is fine. Right. I mean, I, I don't have no problem with that being being a small right. amount because you know we were in business. Um, right. But the way it was written, um, let's put it this way: there, there's a massive spread between what you and I may think is proper and what was written on the piece of paper. Right. And. uh I don't know that there was. I'll take an example because one of the listeners was was, was apoplectic. That I don't know what company. I think they were were they Schaumburg or Naperville, some damn place. They talked about how much the uh, the the garbage collectors how much how much those guys got in PPP or employee retention, whatever it was. And the fact is, they, they never missed a day. They 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 always got paid. They always right. got, well. The good news is the garbage always got picked up. But they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They kept all their employers on, employees on, and they and they uh, they paid everybody and did their stuff. There, there was nothing in there about whether you were getting paid for somebody else. I mean, if you were the restaurant and kept your employees on, there was nothing in there that said they're sitting around doing nothing because your place is closed. Oh, by the way, your carryout business is, is twice what the inside business used to be. There, there was nothing like that at all in the bill. So you right. and I, you and I would look at that restaurant and say, well, "I know a guy in the South Side. Why he tells me this? Got a half million dollar check. It is his best year ever." Right. But, but they had to, they had to close the bar, and the bar was six seats. It was like one twentieth of his business. Right. So, right. so, so the restaurant but, but I'm saying, in the bar. but but if you read the bill, the guy didn't do anything wrong. That's the way it was written. Right. Correct. Right. But there, but we know that there's a lot of fraud. I mean, look, oh, yeah. at, and they were putting, they were shamed and given the fact places like. Harvard and a lot of the, a lot of the colleges that got huge sums of money, and everyone started questioning it when they had you know yeah. Harvard's got this massive uh, this massive endowment. And what are we giving all this money to Harvard for? Billions of dollars of PPP loans to Harvard? Why do we do that? It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, is is there? I assume I, whenever you make assume you make what an ass out of yourself and so I, I assume that Florida. I have it here in my favorites. There's a there's a website here in Illinois that will tell you exactly how much. Everybody got it. And you can sort it by business. You can sort it by zip code. And, it, and yeah. there, there's something like, Matty, what was the number? It's uh, 300,000, 400,000 businesses in Illinois got money? Massive yeah. amount. But some of the stuff, I mean, I, I guess I'm walking a plank here, but some of the churches 
you know, we're not talking about you know big charitable organizations like Catholic Charities or somebody like that. You know, that has right. actually does stuff and are paying paying people and whatever. Some of these churches are, you know, they're the church of what's happening now kind of places. And they'll say, you yeah. know, guy got a hundred grand, and they'll say employees now none. There's nobody left. Like the day right. the day he could fire everybody, he did. So I mean, there's all there are all kinds of places that don't even have any employees that got hundred two hundred thousand dollar check. And you wonder what what did they do? They they never even kept the people on. But who's going to go after a church? Right. Well, they're not going to go after the church, but they're going to go after the poor guy. You know, who's making a hundred thousand dollars? And they're going to look for they're going to look to take another two thousand dollars from the guy because that's what those agents are going to do. The only the only thing I can I can I can say, Kenny, and this is first of all, you're going to be aghast at a guy like me saying this because you and I probably agree more on everything than anybody else on the show the these these people were looking to do helicopter money right and if, if, if you and i if we live in some little town and they said look we want to increase the economy we're going to put 20 bucks in everybody's mailbox every day you and i may say wait a minute that, that's idiotic what are you doing that for but one thing we can't do is tear down our mailbox because everybody right. else is now five thousand that are good and we're not the car we thought we could buy for thirteen thousand, somebody else is going to pay fourteen. So you, right. you can't let yourself get behind. So if, you know, if you reared up on your high horse and said, "Well, I'm not going to be, you know, the garbage company that, that goes and gets his money because I really don't need it," all of a sudden next year there's a bidding war for the garbage company next door to you, and the other guy outbid you. He outbid you, and I'm right. somebody else's dough. So I mean, it's right. it's really a moral dilemma for regular people. I think for me it was right, right. I no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and it, to be blunt, that sucks. Yeah, yeah it does. And that's going to come home to roost, I think. Oh, yeah. Right? I think that's kind of what we're seeing now, is because now they're going to pull back tight. You heard what, you heard what Neil Kashkari said yesterday, right? That he was pleased with the way the market reacted to Powell's speech on Friday. That the investors are finally taking serious that the Fed is committed to uh, to uh, taming inflation. By the way, an inflation that they're probably 60 or 70% responsible for oh, yeah. in the first place. Well, there would be some that say 100%. Like, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm tossing in the, the current administration with the trillions of dollars of spending that they've, you know, tacked onto us in the last uh, month and a half, but then even the year before that, you know, when they when they first came in. So, I'd, yeah, I'd probably say the Fed's probably more responsible for sure. They missed the boat back in spring of 2021 when, when inflation started to rise, and they kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, and now look where we are. Well, you know, maybe, we need, a, create, maybe you know, we need a maybe we need a Fed chair from Boston of Italian-American descent that will actually get up there and say, Congress, pass that bill all you want. You're not getting any help from me, buddy. You, you, better, right. you better, better be taxing or borrowing because I'm not helping you. I mean, Congress right now yeah. is convinced they can – they can, or, or the president, this president, he doesn't know anything about monetary theory. He, he was against it when he was a senator, or he's a representative. He didn't know what it was about. Uh, anyway, uh, that's, but I mean, right now, they're convinced that no matter what they pass, the Fed will have the money there for them. Right. And, and right. somehow that's, that's got to stop. That's they're convinced about, right? The Fed has to say, uh-uh, not happening, but I'm not even sure that's possible anymore, right? Well, it is, so but who's going to get it? I'm not sure it's possible. O- only if, like, Solomon showed up tomorrow and kicked Paul out of there and, and you couldn't get him out. Well, correct, correct. But but I don't, see, I don't think you know. Now they say they're going to start with the ninety-five billion dollar quantitative tightening in September. Which, by the way, I'm not even sure they did the forty-five billion in, no. in July and August the way they said they were going to do. Um, you and I talked about that a number of times. It's going to be interesting to see what happens now in September if, in fact, they try to do that. How the markets are going to then react to that on top of the rising rates? Well, well, this has been going on, Kenny, you now for a long time. Talking about it. Suppose you yep. and I were. 
or I don't even know if there is such a place, a moon of Alpha Centauri that, that's livable, and we're sitting there listening to the radio or watching CNBC from there, would, would, you'd be stunned after all the millions and millions of words coming out of the Fed and every talking head on TV that the, that the Fed balance sheet is bigger than it was at the beginning of the year. Not much. Yeah, right. But, so they've done nothing. We've known this problem's been there for, and it's only August. Well, not only August, it's almost the end, I mean, we're getting near the end of this one, but I mean, this problem was not, a, was not there for people last November. That you would have thought a year later the balance sheet would still be as big as it would still be bigger. Now, granted, the last few months it's starting to sneak down a little, but they, but they, they pumped it up as high as they possibly could before they knew they were going to start draining it down, right? Right. It's like saying, you know, I'm never going to buy another carbohydrate in my life. Meanwhile, my last trip to the store has 40 pounds of pasta in my bag. <laughs> well, it's like they raise the prices, and then they say we're putting everything on sale, right? Okay, yeah. but you raised them 80%, now you're going to put them on sale 20%. That's what's are, you, are you seeing that at the food store every week? I am. It's scary. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, all, all week long, you see it at the food store. I go to the food store probably every other day just because, A, I like to, but B, uh, uh, you know, food down here in Florida doesn't last as long as it like might up in the Northeast or whatever region, vegetables and fruits and all that stuff. So I go every other day, which is fine. But the prices are crazy. Absolutely are, out of control. Are you one of the 64 This is an article today on CNBC. Are you one of the 64% of consumers that are worried about shrinkflation? Uh, I think it already, I, I'm not worried about it. I think it already exists, shrinkflation. Right? You can see the packaging is smaller. You can see what they do. Like them, they do it on the bottom. Of, the, 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 the one I love to talk about is the one they do on the bottom of the peanut butter jar, right? They put this, like they do in a wine bottle, yeah. right? They put this little, this little, uh, uh, push up in the bottom of the bottle so there's less peanut butter in that yet the price either stays the same or even goes up and so i think inflation is a very real thing now for as a wine guy though i'm going to say you might like some wine isn't isn't that thing in the bottle the bottom so yeah. the your really good waiters can put their thumb in there when they yeah, pour so it you can hold it yeah, yeah yeah but what i'm saying is yes so i'm not saying they're doing it once but that that already that exists if the right. way to hold the bottle when you're pouring it but that's what they're doing in things like peanut butter, suddenly there's a that same kind of that same kind of indentation in the bottom of the peanut butter jar, yeah. which allows them to put less peanut butter in the jar, but charge the same amount. Do you remember the uh, the dear departed Jay's potato chips? They had two slogans. On the front, it would say "Can't stop eating them," okay, which is actually pretty true. But on the back, on the bag, it would say, "This package is sold by weight, not by volume." Some settling may have occurred during transit. Right, it's full of air. Yeah, it's right. full of air. So some, settling, some, some settling may have occurred. <laughs> I, I loved it. Kenny, uh, we got you see, you're just hanging. Family coming down to see you? You're hanging for I the week? I know, my daughter was here this weekend. This weekend's All right. quiet. We're just hanging out. It's only us. All right, buddy, so take care fine. of yourself. Talk at you All next right, week. SB Futures up 28, Nasdaq Futures up 122. Be right back with the now New York, Mr. Hell, Professor Hal Snare. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProtoRuck can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProdirect.com. PTIProdirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Hello, and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom the board. SP Futures up 30, NASDAQ Futures up 131. We have the professor. He's he's stuck in Des Moines. Is he, is he incarcerated? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not stuck. We're having a good time. We're at a... We got an apartment for two days on uh, Bookie.com. It's pretty nice. It's one of those modern... Apartments, and it's right there on the uh, just near the uh, Grand Avenue that heads toward toward downtown. Um. Yeah, we're we're moving to New York, and uh, um, I had to teach two classes yesterday online, and then my wife had to take a class in her MFA program, or this uh, continuing education program from Harvard. So wow. that's why we're in Des Moines for two days. So you're teaching class at the new place, though, right? Yeah, well, the new place, it was kind of a quick uh, last-minute summer hire. So I'm teaching one class for them. And because it was such short notice, I told Webster that I'd be willing to teach as an adjunct um, if they can't find an adjunct to replace me. Um, and they should be able to find an adjunct to replace me, right? I don't see how you could ever <laughs> so be <they> replaced. <laughs> so they weren't, they weren't able to uh, find somebody on short notice for two of my classes. And one is all semester long at 8 o'clock on Monday mornings. The other one starts in October, it's an MBA class on a Friday night. And then I'm also teaching a Sattler, Sattler College uh, stats class um, in the afternoon from 4 to 4.50. So I had to do that yesterday. Where, where, is, where is, is it Sattler or Statler? Sattler is a Mennonite. Well, it's not affiliated with any one church, but most of the people that work there or attend there are probably Mennonite, I think. Really? It's a small, it's, yeah, it's a small little college. I think in that high-rise next to the Green State in downtown Boston. 
Okay, so you're moving to Boston. You're, you're moving Boston. I think they only have about 100 students. I think they only have 100 students at this point, roughly speaking. So you're moving to Boston, not New York. Oh no, we're moving. We're moving to New York. I got a job as the undergraduate, uh, uh, the chair of the undergraduate business program at that college, which is uh, a small, relatively small Christian college um, in the financial district. Wow, good down for there you. in the Battery Park area. Yeah. So. Uh, you guys gonna like move in Jersey, or are you moving in a, a Upper East Side apartment, or what are you doing? Oh, uh, I'll be taking my lunch for that because I took a bit of a pay cut. My wife is from Brooklyn, and let's just say she was not all too happy with the move to Utah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love Utah. I love the mountains. The mountains are my mountains. The New York skyline is my wife's mountains, there you and. Go. Um, so sad to leave, but uh, I don't want to be blamed for the move to Utah anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, they, they sort of they sort so of I, never. I took uh, a pay cut to make this make this happen. But are you are you going to be getting some big huge apartment with the kids, or are you going to get a house someplace? Well, my in laws have a uh, odd house in New York City. They have a detached four level house in. A pretty nice Brooklyn neighborhood over by Brooklyn College. Okay. So we're going to have the top two floors, and they're going to have the top, the bottom two floors. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're Haitians, so grandparents tend to be involved. Um, a lot, I think with, you know, helping parents raise kids, they tend to be involved. So they're, I think they're pretty excited. Well, cool. Move in. Good for you. Good for you. Um, yeah. So, uh, out of all the places going across country, you could stop for two days. You picked Des Moines. Well, it was kind of like halfway. I have to be there before this before Labor Day ends. Okay. And I need to be there to like maybe get acclimated to the office and visit with people. I'm missing the uh, pre-start meetings, pre-start of the semester meetings, uh, faculty meetings, the workshops, the dinner cruises tonight. Uh, so this stuff. So I got to be there. I, I have to be there like uh, Thursday and Friday, so I can kind of get set up because my classes uh, start rolling um, the Wednesday after Labor Day. So I just got to get set up, and um, they're they're being great to me. They are, they're only asking me to teach one class, which is good because I kind of signed on to teach at Sattler, thinking I'd get Westminster, and then uh, as an adjunct, and then. Uh, and I had my four Westminster classes, so it's kind of nice to let me teach just one Are class. Are you going to be flying back and forth to Salt Lake City? No, I'm going to do it remotely. I'm going to teach the classes remotely at Sattler and Westminster. So, so not even like one or two weekends for exams or anything you're not going to shoot out there? Well, I think uh, in my, the one class I'm teaching on Monday mornings from 8 to 10 Utah time, I'm uh, teaching a business fundamentals class, kind of like a capstone. Okay. And so instead of having an exam in there, I have a final presentation. And the first six weeks of the class, we review each week a discipline in economics. And then we start this uh, marketplace simulation where the kids form a company and they build a 3D bike. And I have each team playing against the computer in an effort to do a Ceteris Paribus experiment. Uh, in the past, I had them compete against themselves. Maddie's going to tell me what that is. Presentations. Maddie, tell me what a strategy is. So, uh, 
Are you going to have? Are you going to require that the people who are on the Fed show up for your basic economics class? Oh, the that's really cool. I mean, I, I'm uh, open to different points of view. So, if I can get the Fed, you know, Fed people to come into my class, would be great. I had I had a uh, Salt Lake City branch um, uh, analyst, economic analyst, come into classes to speak about monetary policy a couple of times. So. Hell yeah, hell, you're kind of, you're kind of, you're kind of, you're kind of breaking up. Why don't you move to a different spot and call back? You're, uh, you're busting up. We're hearing like every other word. Oh, okay, let me, let me, uh, let me do that then. All right. The, uh, right. SP Futures up 28.50, NASDAQ Futures up 121. So, man, he's, he's going to be teaching at three different schools at once. That's got to be a record. Well, if, if it's, it, it sort of makes sense to me. If yeah. you're just teaching one class at each place three nights a week or whatever it is, I mean, so the, the kids works, are right. going to go from mountains to Brooklyn. That's a that's a culture shock. I like that. With uh, <laughs> they all know how to ski and everything. Okay. So, so how the kids going to be going going skiing up in Vermont and all the ice? They're going to like that. Are they going to like New York City and the weather? Is that what you said? No, I said they're going to like all the skiing on ice in Vermont when you take them up there. Oh, uh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kids love snow and ice, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, what do you make of? I know you've been obviously really, really busy with this and have a chance to look around. What, what do you make of what's uh, going on with the, you know, the, the markets and the Fed? I mean, this is a—they're uh, looking like they're going to turn the bus around and go the other way, and half the people don't believe them. Well, it's like remember. China is right. China's kind of uh, reverse course; they're going to reinflate, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think things are getting pretty bad in China. Uh, there was a mass protest of the uh, zero COVID policies. And you know the lockdowns. I think uh, Z, Z, Z or Z or whatever, um, back down on that. And then uh, I've uh, read something where people are uh, just not paying these uh, mortgages on these houses that are to be built. And one of the reasons might be because home prices are falling so much that. You know, you kind of lock yourself in this long position with this house that you purchased a year ago that will be built, and then meanwhile the prices in your neighborhood are falling, and so uh, the number of uh, mortgages that are uh, failing are rising in China. So I think what China's trying to do is they're going to do the opposite. It looks like they're going to do the opposite of what the Fed did, fighting our uh, housing bubble. They're going to reinflate. So. Well, it, I, I think China's in in a pretty way. Uh, I think they're in a pretty compromised position. They got these bubbles. I think they've been so aggressive at trying to overtake the United States as the top dog uh, in the world economically that uh, they got they got some serious troubles in China. I mean, inflation doesn't work when central bank banks uh, just pump money into the system. It just doesn't work, and they're they're gonna. Bubbles will eventually pop, and the longer they delay the inevitable, the bigger the pop will be. Well, it, 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 it uh, I'm going to say it works for some, and those I think are smart enough to get out before. I mean, there's a lot of people in the last two years that have made more money than than avarice, for God's sake. I mean, oh yeah, every man oh, has yeah, it. There have, yeah. if, if, I mean, if you were to, you'd probably grade me. An F on the paper, but if you were to say, "What's the worst thing about inflation?" My number one thing would be how uneven it is. Not not a 
not an economic theory about why it's a bad thing because it's it is that uneven. Some people it's like oh, it's, it's definitely uneven. Yeah, the the property owners, the people that collect, that were collecting rents during Germany's hyperinflation, and they made out like bandits because their mortgages were paid off in a in a month, maybe a year. Right? Yeah, their mortgage paid off by inflation. Meanwhile, the the poor people that were renting from them, renting spaces from them, were destroyed by it. Right, so. There, there are winners in a, in inflation, and that's why the, the Fed was created was to create those winners. In my opinion, they were created to create this inflation. The uh, the, the investor class, the the people that hold the real estate places like New York City, win in the long run. Well, I think uh, in terms of policy, as much as I criticize the Fed, in terms of uh, policy, so see well, now, if, if you if you were in Chicago. Well, back before COVID, when those guys actually used to work. I'm having uh, a hard time hearing you. Talk. Okay, but I say when you when you were in if you were in Chicago and if you went out to the to the bar once in a while with those guys when they used to actually work, the guys from the Fed. I, I don't see how we could possibly exist in this country without 95 percent of what the Fed does, which has nothing to do with policy. I mean, in terms of just maneuvering cash around and taking care of everybody's check and making sure everything balances everywhere. I don't see how we could possibly exist without that. And then that, but now you lead to the policy part. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely piled into a spot where they protect the rich people and protect the banks. I mean, can anybody? I mean, if you had your class today, can anybody explain to you how the the Fed funds for like six month T bills are up to three point one? Because we just went to auction for a bunch of people clients last week, and that's what we got. And yet, a bank's still paying no interest. I mean, clearly uh, they are outside of they're they're such a cartel. That they don't, they don't have to have any market forces whatsoever, do they? Yeah. Well, you know, um, one of the things that are, I find interesting the Chinese are kind of selling off their holdings. It looks like, and so you got essentially you got two um, printers of American money. When the Chinese are selling their treasuries, and the Fed is selling treasuries to banks, and then the the Treasury is auctioning treasuries. We have three large groups of people selling treasuries and so that's definitely going to uh, mess with the yield curve right and oh, it yeah. depends on what kind of treasuries the Chinese have I think the Chinese have probably medium term to longer term uh, securities right if I had a guess I'd so, say 5 to 10 they have, the, they have the 10 right I would say they have somewhere 5 to 10 I, I don't know maybe to 30 but eh, I don't know about that yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when they're supplying all these bonds, right, they're holding demand constant, prices come down and yields go up. So I think you have three group, major groups of people, three organizations, trying to sell bonds at the same time. The Chinese are trying to offload them. The Fed's got this huge, massive balance sheet. And you got Treasury trying to cover these huge, massive budget deficits that were created by Trump and Biden to fight the uh, pandemic. That they created the, the mess that they created, the lockdowns. Well, Obama doubled the doubled the uh, debt while he was in, and there was no COVID. Yeah, yeah, and you know Bush, I think he yeah. uh, doubled it too. When you double at a low level, it's not as big as doubling at a higher level. Right? Well, that's uh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. I, uh, you know what things? You know it's a little bit. Uh, well, makes me concerned here, Alan. You might have a more insight. I keep watching this. I was never a crypto guy. I've always thought the stuff was worth nothing. So. I know people are really into it, so I don't say that too much. But uh, the fact that there's now all this leverage on the Bitcoin, 
and some of the other stuff. And we've seen these places go under, and we've seen people get hurt. I mean, Mark Cuban was evidently in this uh, one place. Uh, and, you know, there's a, a lot of people who were, were ponying up money. I think Kenny was mentioned. Of course, Kenny's smart enough to only give him like a thousand bucks or something. Uh, he was getting one percent interest a month or something because they were mm-hmm. borrow- they were lending people money on crypto. And I think he was saying that the uh, if you borrowed the money, you had to pay a tenth of a percent a day or something or some absurd number, you know, to to be leveraged wow. in the crypt- crypto. Well, you know what? You and I talked about a couple of years ago. All the all the dollar denominated Chinese debt that the, the Chinese government doesn't even really give a crap about because it went directly to the consumers over here. It didn't even come through the system. So I don't even think that's something they got to worry about in their mind. Um, you don't hear anything about that anymore either. So I, I just kind of... But every time this crypto gets around 19.5, it's done it a couple times now, miraculously it comes bouncing right back up over 20. Because everything I've read, or a few companies like MicroStrategy for other places, that a lot of the margin loans on crypto, if you drop below like 19.18, all of a sudden now they start getting called. And I think the Fed is protecting the crypto, and I wonder if they're also somehow protecting these Chinese loans because they, they can't be paying on those. or and they're, Maybe they're not defaulted yet, but I, well, I guess anytime you don't pay interest, it's technically default. I bet, I can't believe they're paying interest on in all those dollar-nominated loans. Do you, Chinese? Well, you know, the Fed did essentially put a price floor on mortgage-backed securities during the financial crisis. So if they're supporting the crypto, um, if they're doing it, they're uh, protecting... The Mark Cubans of the world, right? So oh, yeah, they're protecting. Again, whatever. that's another argument against Fed intervention, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I don't mean I don't. I don't see they they should have been very mindful of the margin loans, but the margin loans is who, who are the guys on the Empire jerseys at FTX? They're they're the big the big dog in the crypto margin world, right? But and they're from over they're overseas. I think. Well, you know, a lot you could you could. A regular person in America could actually buy crypto with a credit card. If you had uh, Coinbase, you could actually buy crypto with a credit card. So you could leverage that purchase 100%, right, well, with a credit card. When, whenever leverage gets in, you start to have a problem. That's when the tulips yeah. collapsed, right, when people started lending people money to buy tulips. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that, that and the reason why people were probably doing that during the pandemic is they're seeing the thing rise, and it's rising because of the Fed. The Fed and the, the central government just pumped, you know, Trump and Biden just pumped all this money into the system in the form of these PPE loans and these enhanced unemployment benefits and told people they couldn't work and you're going to be on the dole instead. And so people had all this idle time, all this money's being printed. The Fed's, the balance sheet explodes. You look at the Rolex market, the Rolex gray market. It, it, it's the bubble looks just like the bubble in the the Daytona Rolex watch gray market looks exactly like the Daytona or the uh, the Bitcoin bubble. You have you have early Trump part of the bubble during his pandemic reign, and then you have the Biden uh, compounding that bubble. So uh, that's what happens when central banks engage in modern monetary theory. They print all this money thinking that it's not going to create inflation. And it usually goes into investment-grade asset classes like bonds, treasuries, um, crypto, um, and then uh, even Rolex watches. I, I, I uh, want to push back a hair, right? I think they know exactly where it's going to go. Um, yeah. 
they they they'll tell you that it's gonna it's gonna trickle they, down they, every man. But yeah, they're acting like they don't know, right? They're acting like they don't know, but well, they, they know. They they pumped, they increased the money supply by forty percent in two and a half years, and the market's up forty percent. Yeah. What, when what and inflation's going to be forty percent? I mean, it's it's an identity. It's it's math for God's sake. Yeah. Well, it's not one for one because the markets are up forty percent, but uh, Daytona Rolex watches are up huge too right right but i'm saying uh, you, it's huge up massive so but you're that, end that's up, where the leverage comes in right the leverage purchase of these assets but it's it's never even but i'm saying at the end of the yeah. day you're going to find that your general inflation rate you're, you're let's put it this way the price level increase from the from day one to whenever the cpi decides to run it all through there which they haven't done yet it's going to be it's roughly 35 percent in housing right it's from from two and a half years ago, right? It's been it, it, houses up last year. Uh, Case Shiller has house prices up twenty percent, and your mortgage was up thirty uh, percent. So you're so you're pushing in there plus another year on top of before that the housing prices. So I'm saying they're roughly thirty five percent. I'm going to bet the price of new cars is roughly thirty five percent. I mean it's it's, it's going to be right in there. Some places are going to be fifty. Some are going to be twenty. Some, if if you if you're in some kind of service business, your your price of your haircut may not have gone up at all, right? So you could be you could be totally on the ass end of this, where you, where you're up five, you know, and your inputs are up fifty. So yeah, it, it's uneven, but I'm going to say by the time it's all done, the price level is going to be thirty five percent higher than where it was. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and I you know and and I don't think people can handle that. Most people. Well, I, I don't think so either. I mean, I think people are getting squeezed. That's why you're seeing. Uh, Walmart kind of struggle. Yeah, yeah. I, I think people go into Walmart; they can't afford those wants anymore because the needs have gotten so expensive. So when that happens, um, I think it's going to get painful. I really do think it's going to get painful. I wonder how what it would would take. I mean, you'd have to have maybe maybe in your new place you got a bunch of peeps where you can give them all these assignments. Uh, I would I would love to see in, in the retail side somebody you know you have to keep it simple. Um, Figure out, I, I mean, I would have guessed, I mean, again, if you would have given me a test five years ago, instead of something like this were to happen, if you had an inflationary bubble, what, uh, well, bubble or whatever might just stay there, I, I would have guessed that your Home Depot and your Lowe's, now Menards is only in, what, 20 states or something? I would have guessed your Home Depot and your Lowe's were much more capable of passing on inflation than Walmart, because Walmart has an awful lot more competition than Lowe's and Home Depot. And you know what? I, well, you Walmart, Walmart goods have competition amongst themselves, right? Because you have, at Walmart, you have the, the basics and you have some, you know, wants, right? So within Walmart, there's competition. If you, if you think about each of these product categories, food and vegetables, fresh food and whatnot, if you think about all these different products that Walmart sells, within Walmart, you have that competition. Right, right. And, it, and it really shows shows the ugly head when you have an inflation like we have right now. Right, and I'm saying you you probably should have if if I'd have gone back a ways and had a brain cell working a few years ago, I probably should have uh, <clears throat> the pair trade would have been go long Home Depot, short Walmart, mm-hmm. because Home Depot they they can pass anything on, on they want. I mean, what's it, it's a two by four. It used to cost us four. Well, the, bar, the with the, I think the problem with the Home Depot and the Lowe's. Uh, trades right now is that man with inflation being so high, people aren't going to put money into upgrading their house. They're kind of they're going to live with what they got, 
right? They're going to live with the countertops that they have. They're going to live with the, the kitchen that they have right now. So I think that might be the trouble with uh, a Home Depot and a Lowe's. And I think it's, it's probably more of a problem for Lowe's because I think Lowe's is more of a uh, an outlet for a remodel where I think Home Depot is more set up to support home construction projects. Right, but what, I get, what I'm saying is that I would like... I mean, if I had the time and if I could clone or something, I mean, uh, Kevin uh, sent me, and I'm sure it was published because that's where he got it, uh, Home Depot summary from their last earnings report and said that their, their amount of tickets were down 8.4% year over year, and their, but their prices are up 11.4%, so they were a net 3% higher on the, on the revenue. And I'm going to say every industry, no matter who you are, professors, I mean, Whatever it is, everybody's got a tale of woe or a tale of triumph just like that. And, I, and I'm going to say that uh, maybe maybe a barber shop has 20% less business and was only able to raise prices 5%. And some people are winners here and some aren't. And, it, and I'll bet it's, it, it's either industry to industry. I mean, look at Kimberly Clark. They basically are Procter & Gamble. Kimberly Clark makes what, toilet paper and, and, and that kind of stuff? I mean, I, I guess... They they said they they have no problem passing it on, because those are those are essentials, right? Uh, but but you're I mean in some places I think Procter and Gamble has passed it right on. They haven't, they haven't missed a beat. I think you know uh, some places I don't think are able to. I mean it it would be fascinating to just if you could to find out exactly those numbers that Home Depot gave us for like every company. I'll bet there's some losers in there too. Well, it's got to be. I think I think the companies that tend to sell necessities. Are going to be able to pass it on. The companies that sell mostly uh, wants and luxuries, I don't think they're going to be able to pass it on. I think they're the ones, like for example, I have a, I have a friend who is the chair of the economics department at Ainsley State University, and his wife is was stabling horses, and the horse market does great when the markets are going up, when the economy is growing robustly. But she took it in the chin when they went when the bubble burst back in two thousand eight. So I think I think luxuries. The more luxurious the good gets, I think the harder it is to pass that on to the customer. But with these staples, with these necessities, with food, well, I think, but I think if it's you more easily able to pass it on. With with one caveat, because of the money that was passed out by the government, if you're if you're on the government dole, you're way ahead of the inflation number. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. SP futures. Well, that's another reason why. That's another yeah. reason why I think it's easier for firms to pass on those, those oh, yeah. costs because those are the things that poor people are purchasing. SP Futures up 21, NASDAQ Futures up 91. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, 
food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Alman, Smith Weber on the board. SP features only up 17 now. They were up 30 for the most of the time. As if he's up 75, so we're kind of leaking back here. So we haven't actually recovered everything that we lost in the last 20 minutes last night, which is a little weird. I thought we'd recover all that, but I'd be wrong wrong again, eh? Now up 152 individual stocks, and uh, uh, Chevron Texaco's down 138. It's the only one that's red in my, my Dow list. Everybody else is up. And Healthcare up 323. Uh, Salesforce up 147. Microsoft up a buck 30. So Home Depot, we were just talking about, up 216. Uh, so everything's pretty green, uh, but not as green as it was a little while ago. Over in Europe, the DAX up 253, almost 2%. They got a big mover. Uh, they've been the ones that are up and down, up and down. Uh, FTSE up 15.2%. CAC around up 48.8% over in Asia. Uh, Nikkei up 316, 1.1%. Shanghai down 13, 0.4%. And we've got the Hang Seng down 74, inching under 20,000 again, 19,949. Those guys just cannot get any traction. Uh, bonds. Only now 230 sec, uh, 230 sec, two basis points now. 
3.09. The Bund unchanged 1.50. Uh, Japan down 1.23. Uh, let's see, we've got gold uh, down 670. 1743 is kind of locked in this mid 1700s here for a while. Silver down eight cents. Copper down six cents. We've got oil uh, down 230, so it's two and a half percent. 94.71. Brent down 302. 102.07. Natural gas down 22 cents, 911. Arbob down 8 cents, 279. So, you know, in a real world here, uh, real world, whatever that means, uh, we should be 80 to 90 cents above Arbob. So we, we should be at about 360 on gas, and I'm going to say we're nowhere near that, anywhere around here. Uh, gold, I just gave gold. Crypto, crypto up 193 to 20,313. That's Bitcoin and the U.S. dollar is. Uh, we're back over over uh, well, the euro's back over a buck, so the dollar the euro's up 20, uh, 20 basis points, so the dollar's down a hair this morning. But hanging right around that dollar, which is a pretty strong dollar and pretty weak euro. Matty, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Thirty-five minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. It says on the screen they're still working on that crash from last hour, which seems a little odd, but maybe they're having some issues. This is on the outbound Stevenson at Pulaski. It's still uh, showing traffic backed up to California uh, and beyond on the outs on the outbound side of the Stevenson. So give yourself plenty of time if you're heading outbound on I-55. Everything else still looks pretty quiet for this hour here on a Tuesday morning, so enjoy a nice quiet commute if you're coming in on any of the other area expressways. Weather today, a beautiful late August day, partly cloudy skies, a high of 81. Right now it is clear and 71 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 110 today. Right now it's clear and 89. In sports, Cubs blew a 4-0 lead in Toronto last night, losing to the Blue Jays 5-4 in 11 innings. White Sox were off. They'll host Kansas City tonight. That's a 7:10 p.m. Chicago time first pitch. Sox are five back in the AL Central. Diamondbacks beat up on the Phillies 13 to seven. Chief, the uh, you might want to tell your buddy Rossi that they have uh, they get, they're getting all these um, young pitchers that they're giving four and five innings to to start. Get the same bullpen guys pitch every night, and they're and they're buried. They're horrible at this point. Is it just me? I think you're right about that. Um, anyway, the uh, I'm glad I didn't make it at the end of that game. When did it get over? Um, it started at what six ten or so. It probably got over at ten o'clock. Went yeah. eleven innings. Yeah, it just. Ugh. Um, hey, hey, when you do your stats class, I'm sitting here re- reading this uh, survey here this morning. I, I love these surveys because I took stats so long ago, and we d- we did a lot of sampling work at well, a little bit of a lot of way back in the day in Chicago talking about given surveys and how you can mess with them. And this one is uh, 64% of consumers are worried about shrinkflation. Um, now, what that even means, what that question, it's like if you did a survey, Maddie and I could go out and do a survey and say 70% of Americans want better sex. Okay, now, you have no idea what the question was. For, 30, for, for half of those people, it might be some rather than none. <laughs> <laughs> the other half might be, I wish I had a different partner. I mean, if you don't, you have no idea what you have these broad questions, what you're even talking about, right? But uh, yeah. I'm going to say that um, the uh, this kind of stuff, you're, you're seeing the inflation hit in all, in all kinds of areas, and a lot of it is in the packaging. A lot of it is in the distribution. I think it's forcing a lot of people to go to the bigger stores, even though you're buying you know, more Cheerios than you ever eat for your whole life. I mean, you realize that the packaging is the shipping, I and mean, you can buy, you know, three times as much as something, and 
clearly it's never three times the price. It's always, you know, whatever, one and a half times the price or something. You, you would think that somewhere the shift would be from Walmart to Sam's. I think you're seeing Costco do pretty well for that reason. I mean, you're seeing a lot of shifts that that really, uh, you know, are, I think are kind of fascinating. It shows you how the, how the economy works, really, in my opinion. Yeah, the funny thing about that is uh, I was looking at bulk buying two or three years ago, and I was looking at uh, the prices per ounce. And a lot of time, a lot of instances, the buying the large box was not a better deal than the small box. And I think that's because people um, think it is, and so the demand for it is artificially higher because of that expectation. And so law and demand, the law of supply and demand. Uh, dictates that when demand is higher than it would otherwise be, the price is going to be higher. So I found it interesting when I'm walking around a Walmart, for example, looking at the bigger sizes, I didn't really see what I expected to see, the lower price per ounce, right? But, you know, those, we buy a lot of cold cereal. I love cold cereal. And I'll tell you, those boxes, those cold cereal boxes are just getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. <laughs> well, the, eventually they're going to be they're going to be two dimensional. Well, <laughs> it's not going to be anything in the box. Well, given the the South Loop here is still so messed up from the exchanges not being here in the COVID, uh, we never we never go out for breakfast anymore. So, but we, fortunately we have a kitchen. And after the show, usually I go over and whip something up, and you know maybe once a week I'll make pancakes. Well, the, the guys is is it Klondike maybe the real expensive uh, pancake stuff? You know, it's got oatmeal, it's got this kind of protein. The yeah. box isn't very big. But the amount of, of pancake batter in the box is roughly half the box. So, <laughs> but so I mean, it's, but I, I can't imagine if they if they shrunk the box down to the size of the packet in size inside, if anybody'd ever buy it. I don't see how you would. They wouldn't buy it. Yeah. No, nobody buy it. I mean, I mean, it costs like yeah. seven bucks for this. This, you know, the box that if you buy the same kind of like the regular pancake stuff is a buck and a half or two bucks. I mean, it's like three times expensive. But I don't think I don't think you could compound that with three times as expensive and oh by the way half the size of the box. I don't I don't I don't, I don't think you could pull that off. <laughs> but but clearly you can't either. It's kind of, it's kind of like the, I call them the cu- the cousin Vinny the cousin Vinny boxes. Remember cousin Vinny oh, talking yeah. about how they're going to show you this evidence and it's like a brick, but it's not a brick. It doesn't have any depth. It's just the width of a card. Yeah, I call it the cu- my cousin Vinny box. They're just getting so skinny. It's unreal. My, well, my family and I do is we buy the we buy the big bags of uh, Crestos. I, I never know how to pronounce that name, but we buy those big, huge, massive uh, bags of Crestos pancakes. And we had about eight of them at the house that we had to leave behind. We <laughs> donated them to our church. But, yeah, we have, we buy those big bags. So what do they have, the, the Saturday pancake special donated by Hal or what? Yeah. <laughs> That and about eight jars of those really big half gallons of maple syrup, we donated those too. Oh, God. My kids probably go through those pretty quick, man. We'll, well go through one of those big bags from Costco in about two weeks. They love pancakes. Well, because I because I got guys, right? I know guys. I actually have a, uh, a thing at a restaurant depot. God, if you ever want to buy stuff that's uh, big hunks of stuff, I mean, I don't, you know, I live alone, so. But, I mean, you can go in there and buy 100 pounds of flour or 100 pounds of rice. I mean, if you buy that level. Well, I, just want to, I just want to just add water pancakes. I'm an economist. I don't want to do too much work. You know what? Even <laughs> even though I have those, I, I sneak an egg in there. 
Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, sneak an egg or two in there. But anyway. Well, my kids like eggs, too, so i got to be careful with the egg egg production. Well, uh, eggs are good for them. Remember, they were bad for a few while, now they're good for you again. Well, I'll scramble them up separate from the pancake. Ah. That's what I'll do. Oh, so they don't—they don't want them hidden. They want them—they want them right there. Okay, so you're making things <laughs> as easy as. So, I mean, I—I I, I am uh, actually very jealous of uh, being. I would love to be a, an economics professor right now because it's happening around you. It's—it's it's like, it's like you could teach at a war college, you know, in in in, in whatever in 1895 when there's no war going on, but if you taught there in 1943, it had to be a much more vibrant thing to teach, don't you think? I mean. The, have you ever oh, yeah. seen? I mean, I mean you're, a, you're a professor of account. Have you ever seen a time that you, you're you're living the you're living something? You've got war war economies going someplace. You can study. You've got people doing inflation really bad some places. Other places not so much. Got central banks doing this. You got pandemics. Is there ever been a more fascinating time to study this subject? Well, it's pretty fascinating driving across country because you know in Utah our gas prices were really slow to come down and then when i go to idaho my, my nephew logan is uh was playing his first football game of his senior year up in madison high school in rexford against Layton, utah and when we crossed the border into idaho i was hit in the face by gas prices there they're probably 20 to 30 cents higher than they were in utah until we go to the costco in idaho falls where the gas prices were down to almost four dollars a gallon. So, coming across the country, going through the different states, is really fascinating to see. Uh, with gas prices at an elevated level, to see how the gas prices vary from state to state and within, from business to business, it's really fascinating stuff. So, I, I like incorporating current and historical events in my econ class. I don't talk about widgets. I talk about, you know, in macroeconomics, I bring in what's going on in Venezuela. So I bring in current events and historical events to help make the economics more understandable. Um, have you ever been able, I know I asked you this a while ago, I asked you, um, how exactly in Venezuela, when the when the currency drops out of circulation, damn near, how do people buy milk or get on a bus? Is, 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 it, is it a barter system? Is there some other currency? Is there, or are they, are they still using the Venezuelan swell currency? Well, what happens if what ends up happening is some other currency comes in, right? In, in uh, Zimbabwe, when they had that really bad hyperinflation in the 2000s, I think it was like 2008 or nine, they they kind of went back to a barter system. Um, but I think I think the dollar the dollars kind of flow in to a place like Venezuela, and, and dollars end up circulating. If you're if you're on the border of a different country, uh, if you're on the southern border of Venezuela. Uh, you might, th- th- there might be, you know, like in Canada, sometimes Canadian coins and currency are circulated in businesses along the border. So I think what will end up happening is on the border uh, areas with other nations in South America, that currency from that neighboring country will serve as a, a currency in that local community. Or I, I would suspect in the northern part of Venezuela, you're probably seeing a lot more dollars being used. Well, the, the guys that there's probably some barter. There's probably some barters, some leftover currency from the previous regime, and then you know other nations' currencies. Well, my uh, I have some buddies that went on a cruise to uh, Mexico of all places. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever do that, but uh, so they were, this is the, the West Coast out of like L.A. They left, and uh, 
they they land somewhere and they go, okay, well you can you can have jeep tours, but you got to stay on this road. Of course, some some lady ran off the road and you know they had to go look for her in the midst of uh, gang country. Uh, they end up in this little town where the guy's got a, a drugstore, which anything you want is in the drugstore. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, medicine in Mexico is a free market, man, for the most part. Well, the one guy, he takes a look at him and his girlfriend, he goes, what's the word he use? You need a little something for dissy diss or something? <laughs> they had all different kinds of Viagra and everything else. The spice, you know, da, da, da. all they wanted was people buying stuff with dollars. He goes, but the stuff was amazingly cheaper than here. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a market system down there. You go across the border in Arizona, you go to Rodwood down there, you get a teeth replaced, you know, teeth, and, teeth, teeth implants. I know, and so uh, it was $1,200 there versus $12,000 in, in Lewiston, Idaho. So he goes down there and I asked him a bunch of questions. He goes, man, there's pharmacies everywhere. There are dental officers everywhere. There are medical service providers everywhere. And there are services for poor people and there are services for high-end Americans. It, it runs the gambit. Across the border in America, you have all kinds of restaurants and entertainment and one monopoly provider of health care, right? So it's really, I want to take a, a, a matrim group of students down to Yuma and then spend the day across the border in Mexico and just do like a case study. Wow. You just don't get kidnapped. We have to take up a collection and bring yeah, it that's back. Yeah, that's the only problem. I, that's the only reason why I didn't do it. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, a lot of the people that, uh, you know, uh, since I'm not 25 anymore, I've run an awful lot of people that have gone and either had, like, real real types of surgery or um, plastic surgery in other countries, Thailand or India. Every one of them does nothing but say how great it was. You had, like, a yeah. big hotel room. Not the and border Mexico? If you go to the uh, high-end places like my brother Rod went to, uh, he said it was probably just as good or better service than he got in America for 10 times less money. Well, one guy was telling me he went to India. I don't know what the hell he had done. Uh, he had a, a, a suite of a, for a week, great food, a masseuse every other day. And he says to this day he's never gone to a doctor that's not an Indian doctor. He was so impressed. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I... Well, I think, I think the cartel, the government medical pharma cartel that we have today... Um, I think, I think it's pointing out the problems with what we know as Western medicine. I think a lot of, a lot of what pharma does. I mean, if you look at the Alzheimer's drugs, they don't work, right? And we, we they've probably known this for decades. Yeah. Um, but they're expensive. The, 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 the plaque blockers, right? Yeah. The plaque doesn't cause the Alzheimer's. The plaque is a result of the Alzheimer's. So you're finding out. All these mistakes these so-called experts are supposed to be able to derive solutions to. You're, you're finding out all this bogus information that they've been, you know, bearing because, you know, farmer stock price has to go up so they can get wealthy, right? So we have a problem in, West, in Western medicine, I think, right now, and it's because of but it's, I'm going to say that it's, it's a... The state of setup. It's one of several different po- finger places you can point your finger. I get my... I'm not going to try and get you to talk a little treason here now because neither one of us really want to do that. But when you see every, you know, I don't see how your, our election process, I don't see how uh, a regular, I'm going to say democratic system, although I say that with tongue in cheek. I don't know how democratic it is, but you got two parties. We have one more party than Russia, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, one more party than California. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, but I, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't see how, in, in, like, I don't, I don't see how the Fed stands up to the big money interest. I mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, Paul Volcker was able to do it because the 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 country was behind him, right? And uh, and, and they gave him the power. I mean, the, the the general citizenry gave him the power, and he was strong enough that when he, first of all, if you talk to all the Republicans, and I'll take a shot at him, virtually every Republican is going to say that Reagan appointed Volker. He didn't. Carter did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, I don't see how the hell, if you and I got elected tomorrow, and with the intention of tearing these cartels apart, and saying, look. I don't care how big you made this hospital and how great your administrative rooms are. I'm only going to pay two thousand bucks for an MRI, not five, because that's what it costs. Two, yeah. not five. Yeah. I don't see how the hell you don't get assassinated if you tried to take out, if you tried to, to take Pfizer down to size or Merck of these places. I don't see how the hell you you survive. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not talking about voted out. I'm talking about literally get killed. I really don't. I really don't believe that the. I think these people are so powerful that I don't. That's why I don't I don't buy as much as I think the market's too high here and have for a while. Not because I don't I want my people to lose money. I don't, uh, but I just, I think it, it's been pumped up thirty five percent by this by the more money, and I think the price level is at a level that most Americans can't deal with. Now, if you came in and said I'm going to knock this down, which by the way I'm not even sure is the right policy, I think what they did was a mistake. I don't know what the fix is to be honest with you. Um, I don't I think that. I can't even imagine the amount of calls somehow making it into Powell's office since Friday's speech, with two days the market going down and uh, right. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine the pressure the guy's under right now. What are you doing? I just got a call from five big donors, and they all own, uh, you know, Apple and the things down ten bucks or whatever the hell it's down from the speech. And my guys are down two million bucks. What are you doing to them? They're not going to tell what me. What about the inside of trades that yeah. you know members of Congress are? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean that's another that's another totally hideous thing that everyone everybody does that should be not only thrown out of office they should be they should be in my opinion they should be indicted but they're not but I'm saying they're not asking you and me. I mean, I'm, I'm on, I will bet you that eighty percent of the people in this country uh, are, are against people in Congress trading on stuff they know that you don't. Yet yeah. any any kind of survey, I mean, I mean, I, I would I mean this boy here's going out on a limb. Look at look at the look at the abortion situation. I mean, and when people are, I, I would say that the majority of people would say, pick a reasonable time, eight months, six months, uh, not eight months, eight weeks, ten weeks, whatever, just make the damn law, you know, and, and make it universal all over the place. I'm thinking that's where most people are. But most people don't seem to have a voice at all on anything anymore, do they? No, I, I think they, I think what happens is the Republicans and conservatives have their media, and then yeah. the Democrats have their media. And very rarely do they cross-pollinate. So the people in California, they probably watch progressive media. They have progressive candidates. People in Wyoming watch conservative media, and their candidates go on conservative media. And so they can shift the blame. But how, how so many people... have been so compartmentalized that it makes this thing that we're living in right now possible. But how many people... Is uh is is when I understand your hero, Tricky Dick Nixon. Uh, he uh, I'm not going to say he's your hero. Uh, when he referred to the sale, oh, he's not my hero. He's an <laughs> anti-free market guy. He yeah. was putting in price controls, wage controls, gas price controls. Yeah. yeah. 
But I mean, he's, he, the, he's, the, he's the originator of the, the, the war on drugs, too, right? So uh, he's, well, he's the interest, originator of, uh, well, he wanted to do the uh, negative income tax instead of all the welfare systems. Yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure yeah, that wasn't exactly. a, that, I think that was a pretty good idea, actually. Yeah, I think it's the, uh, it was basically what, you know, it was the argument they used to pass the earned income tax credit. But I don't think poor people actually think of the earned income tax credit as a negative tax. I don't think they. Right. I don't think they kind of view it as that. They just understand that they get a big refund at the end of the year. I don't. Think well, well yes, sir, but he referred to. I mean, we've talked, when I talk with many different guests, and we refer to the. The number that seems to pop out of people's mouths. Randomly, is you know, there, there's twenty percent, on the extreme left. Make that fifteen, eighteen, whatever your number is. There's that number on the extreme right, and it seems like if that's the truth, we have really. 60 to 70 percent of the population that is totally not represented. I, I, I consider myself in that group, and I know a lot of oh, people. Not represented like, at all. I, I don't have a representative. But I mean, I, I'm going to talk to. I would I would consider myself a a, a moderate, used a used to be moderate Democrat, whatever the hell that even means. I'm a Paul Simon Democrat. I'm an Natalie Stevenson Democrat. I could easily be a moderate Chuck Percy Republican. Whatever. I, I'm in the somewhere to. In a, an extreme left, extreme right, I'm between 40 to 60 in the middle. I'm very conservative on numbers. I'm a little more liberal on social issues. So that wherever that puts me. But I'm you might be a libertarian, Tom. Well, it they could, they could put me there. It could put me there. But I'm saying the Republicans that I know feel the same way. They're, they're probably a, li- a little bit to the right of me, but not much. And maybe the left of me when it comes to money. So I think I mean, if people understood libertarianism, they're not going to be told what it really is. They really were told. If they really were informed about it, they probably think they're libertarian because people want to just kind of be left alone, and they want to be they want to engage in voluntary exchanges with other people. I think most people want to be left alone in the bedroom. They want to be left alone in their business, and that to me is not a Democrat. It's not a Republican. Well, right now they no. want to be left alone. They want to they want to pursue their passions. Right? They want to pursue their passions, and that. That tells me that most people are probably libertarian without even knowing it. Well, the, the issue I have with that is the, the couple of guys, and maybe Matty knows better than me, but a couple of guys that have run for libertarian, like governor, and even a couple of guys that ran for president in the last 20 years, I did, by knowing those people, I don't even know what libertarian is. I mean, one guy was, he was like the head of the NRA here, for God's sake, or something. And, uh, I mean, it was, you know, they one year they seem liberal, the next year they seem arch conservative. The, the person who runs is the libertarian. It's not like there's a. Uh, well, Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson could not make a libertarian argument. It, he drove me nuts. Well, and that's I, the guy I'm talking about. I, I ended yeah. up voting for him because he was the third least worst candidate that I saw. So I, I, I was surprised that he couldn't make a libertarian argument. He couldn't cite Hayek or Mises or even Rothbard. So to me, Gary Johnson was the waste. And I, I, you know, yeah, I, that's kind of what I felt about him. Hold it for him because the other guys were worse. What uh, here's a question, and I, I lob this one out there, and everybody disagrees with me. But how many, how many uh, ballots? How many state ballots are, do those guys on? And they're not on. Are they on fifty yet, or do they they make it to fifty? Well, I think what happens in most states is you have to have a certain vote total, and it varies from state to state. Um, because you have the Republican Democrat cartel, yeah, and they make the rules in the state, and if you get above a certain level. Then you're automatically um, on the next election's ballot. But if you don't make a certain level, 
you get the choices of Republican or Democrat. Well, is is any a very specific state? Minnesota has more uh, a kind of a freer election system, and that's why you see um, a party. It's not the Democrats in in Minnesota. So I think it's a labor a party that caucuses with Democrats. Okay. So I think Minnesota has a history of uh, different parties, like the Reform Party, um, and what caucuses with the Democrat Party in D.C. So I think Minnesota's probably got the freest kind of election system, but most states have this two-party cartel. Yeah, most of them you can't you can't get on them at all. It's it's it's, it's yeah. really tough. They've, they've essentially locked you out. So are you are you uh, you're, you're in tomorrow? Are you at, are you driving a motorhome or like the the tan minivan? What are you doing? Well, the motorhome is in Virginia. We bought a fifteen hundred dollar uh, lot in a RV resort south of DC, about an hour. Okay. So we're driving the cars across country right now. All right, bud. Well, be careful. Take your time. Uh, love, love, love talking to you as usual. Talk at you next week from uh, from Brooklyn. From New York. Yep, from Brooklyn. All right, all right buddy. SP Futures now only up 16. <laughs> as if you're 76, it's half as much as when we came in. Now what that's all about. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.